0: Welcome to the Pet Project Podcast with Sarah, the creator of PetProjectBlog.com. This is your weekly dose of news, views, and activities to help you strengthen the human-animal bond. I'm Steve, producer of the show. On today's podcast, we finish Sarah's story of how her pets have so far influenced her life. At this point in the story, she continues to rehab Saffron, a mostly feral dog that she adopted from a nearby reservation. So you were telling me before about using dog behaviors to calm Saffron down, to communicate with her essentially. Right. Tell me about that.
1: Okay. The first time that we did it was probably the walking sideways, which was mimicking the same way that dogs approach each other. The other time I used it was the first time I did a play bow for her, and a play bow with a dog is where they kind of slap their front paws down and their rump is up in the air and, it, you know, they just look like they're ready to play. Saffron was really hesitant about playing with us because any quick movement or anything like that worried her. So I remember being in the backyard with her one day. I was squatting down and I slapped my front hands, my front hands, I was squatting down and I slapped my hands on the ground in front of her and she looked at me, her eyes got big and she mimicked the same behavior back to me. And when I stood up and threw something, she knew to go run after it. She understood that we were playing, which was a pretty incredible moment. And I try to be careful about anthropomorphizing and projecting, but there really was this recognition in her face that you know, we were communicating. There's an author and a dog trainer named Turid Rugas who has written about something she calls calming signals. And in dogs, when they're nervous or they're feeling threatened, some of the calming signals are to yawn, to shake off, to lick their lips, to pull their ears back, but down, those sorts of things. And she recommends that you use those to try and calm your dog down in stressful situations. Saffron, like a lot of dogs, is really afraid of lightning and thunder. Less so now, but she used to just absolutely panic. And I remember having recently read about the calming signals and watching a DVD, very carefully learning about this way to deal with your dog and i thought well this is the perfect time to try calming signals on her because that play bow had really made an impression on her this will be great i now have the answer for her fear of these loud noises so saffron was doing her usual thing which was she was shaking so hard her teeth were chattering she was drooling uncontrollably and she was pacing from one window to the other to try and find what was making this big scary noise And I thought, okay, I'm going to try these calming signals and, you know, this is going to be great because now she won't be afraid anymore. So I got her attention and I yawned at her and I licked my lips in a very cartoonish way and she froze and she looked at me and I could just see in her face this absolute panic take over. (laughs) and it was as if she looked at me and I'm giving these calming signals. I clearly had no idea what kind of threat we were under and I was useless and she was on her own. And she (laughs) just became absolutely panicked and was just tearing around the house like in this blind fear. She understood what I was saying, but she had interpreted Not the way I had expected her to interpret it. So that was it for the calming signals with her. Maybe with another dog who maybe wasn't quite as smart as she was, it would have worked, but not with her. So now what we do is we put a tight T-shirt on her because that has a calming effect like swaddling a baby. And we just kind of hang out with her and keep physical contact with her but don't make too big a deal out of it but do, you know, speak to her softly and reassure her and that actually works better now.
0: She came a long way, didn't she?
1: Yeah, she did.
0: I mean, the dog I know now doesn't sound anything like that dog then. No. Tell me about that process of of learning so much about it to take her in that, well, it was a short period of time really, was it what, four years or something or less? Yeah. How long did it take from when you got her on the res? To where she became uh, a quote-unquote normal dog and and wasn't wasn't scared of most things right
1: it happened in steps I remember that we actually couldn't even take her for um, obedience training at the Humane Society until we could get her to where she could ride in a car and not be so panicked that she threw up so it happened in steps and each milestone was a huge thing for us it took a few months before we could take her to obedience lessons and It probably was, I would say, two years after we got her, so she was probably two and a half, where she was what people would see as a normal dog if they didn't know a lot about dogs. We had a friend who was uh, just a, a wonderful resource. She's a dog trainer. Her name is Christine Dahl. She has a dog training business, and she also teaches dog trainers. Christine, who's really experienced with dogs, said that saffron threw more submissive signals than any dog she'd ever seen. So other people who knew about dogs still knew that she was, Christine called her a special needs dog, Um, but she was much more able to just participate in our lives. I could take her in the car when I was running errands and things like that, which was good company and it was good for her to experience new things and not be petrified by them. So that took about two years, but I had to be careful not to get complacent about things. She would seem to be fine, and then something would startle her. And it didn't happen very often, but when it did, it was pretty startling and potentially really dangerous. And one of those times was we were walking on a walk that we had done hundreds of times, and it was on a in a commercial area in our neighborhood but it's small stores and there's not a whole lot of hustle and bustle but we were walking past a grocery store that had it was right next to the sidewalk and it had uh, sliding doors automatic sliding doors and we walked past it a number of times it was in a constricted space they had outside tables and they had newspaper stands and I think a flower stand out by the curb so we were kind of walking through a channel and the doors opened at apparently the worst possible moment, scared her to death. She completely panicked and charged for the busy street that this was on, Uh, almost pulled me off my feet and would have slipped out of collar if she had been in a collar and would have ripped the leash out of my hand if I hadn't had it looped over my wrist. Fortunately, she was in a harness, and fortunately I was paranoid and always walked with the leash with my hand through the loop. I tried to calm her down, and looking at her, there was nobody home. She was in a complete blind panic, so we never walk her without a harness, even though seven years later she's much more um, calm and less frightened by things. There's always the possibility that she'll have that complete panic and we could lose her. She could be hit by a car, Mm -hmm. um, something like that. Animals have that flight or fright response and hers is complete flight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's Mm just pretty, almost no fight Mm -hmm. and complete flight. I've had people, when I've talked about her, comment that they've never heard of a dog like her. They've never seen a dog like her. And I realized it's because most dogs like her wouldn't wouldn't get the kind of attention that she got and the rehabbing that she got. And those are the dogs that bite everybody that they see. They never leave their house. They never socialize with other dogs or other animals. And that's what would have happened to her if we hadn't known enough to work on her fear issues and that we wanted her to be present in our lives. We have these moments where we comment that she's a real dog after all. Mm -hmm. She's a dog that won't mess with an open bag of dog food in the kitchen we've left open bags of dog food in the kitchen for days because we haven't taken it down to the basement and she doesn't touch it Mm. um that's not a normal dog but i remember one of the first times she was a, a quote normal dog we were camping and she had been Petrified the first time we went camping. She didn't understand what we were doing. She felt that she needed to protect the whole territory, and she didn't know where our boundaries were. So it was very stressful for her. This was like the second or third time we took her camping, and we were driving on a mountain road, and we had opened the windows in the back seat for her to be able to smell, and we were getting the fresh mountain air too. And I saw in the passenger side mirror that she had stuck her nose just out the window, mm. out the crack, and I realized it was the first time she had ever done that, ever, in our car, and I think she was probably about four or five years old at that point, and I pointed it out to my husband, Eric, and he was straining to see her in the rearview mirror, and we weren't, uh, we weren't staying in a straight line on the road, But we were both absolutely giddy that she was acting like a real dog. I think I probably teared up. We were both like, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, it's really rewarding for her to have the world open up to her like that and not be stuck in some house where she never gets to to do anything like that. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't trade her, Mm -hmm. despite all the work.
0: So tell me about the next pet you got.
1: Okay, so Saffron loves cats. I mean, she really loves them. She wants to meet every cat that we see on our walks. She is really polite with them. She's very gentle with them, but neither Raven nor Sage were thrilled to have her nose them. Um, They wouldn't cuddle up with her. So I had this idea that if we got her her own kitten, she'd have a companion. Somebody that she could, you know, groom if she wanted to, or snuggle up with. We don't have a big enough house or yard for another dog, so getting her her own little dog, which would have been what she wanted the most. She adores small dogs because they're not scary. That wasn't a possibility. So the next best thing was to get her her own kitten. We went to the Humane Society, and we're looking at kittens because it needed to be something that was non-threatening. Um, if I could ad- adopt an adult cat, I want to say that I would adopt that. I don't feel like you have to adopt kittens, so just as an aside. But we, in this situation, felt we needed to get a kitten. So we picked this very sweet, black, short hair male cat, and this is the first male cat that I'd ever had, and we brought him home, and he was a holy terror. He had no regard for his own personal safety. He tore down curtains. He broke a lamp. He would launch himself off of furniture and stuff and just in, in pursuit of something and no consideration for what he was going to land on. And he scared the bejesus out of Saffron. So though she was very interested in him, She was also quite frightened by him, even though he was this small black kitten. He would not leave Raven alone and for some reason is obsessed with her still. He has bothered her so much that she actually started ripping her own fur out, which has been an ongoing problem and is very traumatic for all of us.
0: I'm sorry, this cat's name is?
1: Crow. 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 Because at the time, he looked like a little version of Raven. And I know that the names of my animals, Crow, Saffron, Sage, and Raven, sound like white, gilt, I don't know, Native American wannabe names. That was not my intention at all. And it wasn't until I was listing the names for somebody who asked that I realized just what that sounded like. So we don't have dream catchers in our house, and we don't go to powwows or wear moccasins or anything like that.
0: Drum circles?
1: No, no drum circles. <laughs> God. It's really embarrassing to list the names. I actually named them all mainly for the colors that they are without thinking about what it sounded like. So now we have this strange little group of animals with freaky names. Anyway, Crow looked like a small raven. So a crow is like a small raven. So we named him that. Um, He's huge now. The last time we weighed him, he was 21 pounds and I know he weighs more. I've never had a cat like him. He's, well, he's not unflappable. He will let you do anything just about. You can spin him on his side on the kitchen floor. I have slid him across the floor in the kitchen and he just purrs. He likes you to pat him on the side like a dog and scratch his back like a dog and rub him really hard. Any other cat I've had would have tried to take off your hand if you treated them like that, but he likes it. Saffron isn't quite as afraid of him anymore, but they don't really curl up and sleep together. He has wreaked havoc in our house, but he is incredibly sweet with us, and he tries to relate with Raven in a normal way, but it just doesn't happen. We've had him on anti-anxiety medication, and that's, we think, why he ballooned up. It's possible that she has a seizure disorder that uh, makes her skin itch, and that it's aggravated by Crow cornering her and not letting her come up the basement stairs and that sort of thing, but we have worked to try and alleviate the stress We opened up the basement to the cats to give them more room. We've gotten them another cat tower, those sorts of things, but we definitely need to do more work. Mm -hmm. We may actually work on not exactly clicker training, but behavior modification by giving them treats when they're in each other's presence and then withholding treats when they aren't near each other and building up on that. We just need to do more.
0: Tell me about the inspiration for PetProjectBlog.com.
1: As I found out about more progressive dog training for Saffron, I became a lot more passionate about it. The whole idea, the old fashioned idea of being assertive, being the leader of your pack, all of that sort of thing, that would have been terrible to use on Saffron. It wouldn't have worked. Um, She just would have been a giant ball of fear. So I had to be more creative in the way that I trained her. You asked me recently what would happen if you said bad dog to her in a happy voice, and I realized that I actually had never said bad dog to her. I I hadn't really thought about that. But that kind of indicates the approach that I had to take to training her because if we scolded her, she would have just dissolved into a puddle. So that wasn't gonna work. So I really had to educate myself about progressive science-based dog training, and I read a lot, and I'm a really opinionated person, and I also feel really strongly about animal welfare. And it was really hard to see people at dog parks who were, maybe had the best intentions, but were not working effectively with their dog, and in a lot of cases were just absolutely terrorizing their dog by doing alpha rolls and things like that, pinning them down. And I had to do something with that frustration. So my family could only listen to so much. (laughs) I think it may have been, it was my husband. who suggested that I start the blog. I don't think it was because he was tired of hearing all of this. I'd like to think that. Um, (laughs) So I started the website in a lot of ways to help. Educate people about better ways to train their dogs, and to make it so that you have a good, strong relationship with your dog, because that's a huge part of what has helped Saffron. Is that she has she can depend on us. We have never done anything that hurts her, and it's incredible to have that bond with an animal of a different species. There just there's something amazing about that. The first time that she looked to us when she was afraid of something like at the dog park when she came running to us instead of running in a blind panic that was huge and it's I think it adds a lot to being a human being to have those kinds of relationships with other animals it's been pointed out recently that humans really are the only animals that have relationships with animals of another species it's something really unique and I really think it's part of what makes us who we are makes you think about the world so There was a big part of that in wanting to start the blog. Also, the idea of not spending huge amounts of money to take good care of your animals was a big deal to me. I really want to do the best by my animals, but I have a really hard time paying $250 for a dog bed, which is basically a pillow with a cover on it. I'm also somebody who really likes to do my own stuff, DIY projects. I love craft, I like to sew, so I really looked at what I could do in terms of that to find a better solution for things. One of my favorite uh, DIY projects that has solved a huge problem for me and has been really helpful for other people is instead of buying litter boxes, making your own, and I started I ended up doing that because one of our cats started peeing standing up. And even though we had a hooded litter box, the way the litter, the hood sat in the bottom of the, the base of the litter box, if she peed standing up, it ran down the side, the outside of the litter box, which meant that every time she went to the bathroom, we had to clean up cat pee, which is disgusting and stinky. So it was a mess, and it was a nightmare. And we ended up buying a bunch of different litter boxes, which aren't cheap for a big piece of plastic. They're really expensive, and nothing worked. She peed, and it went outside no matter what. Or it stayed in the the lip, which you then still had to clean up because if you lifted the lid off, there was cat pee dripping off of it, so it was just disgusting. And I had seen somewhere online where a vet had recommended making your own and I made my own. It was super easy. It was way cheap and they were better than any litter box that I could buy. And what I did was I got some large Rubbermaid storage bins with lids, cut a door in the side and there you go. There's no way that she can pee outside as long as she doesn't pee at the door. Mm -hmm. It's super cheap. You can get different colors. You can throw them out when they get stinky because they didn't cost that much in the first place. And it kind of surprised me how much response that has gotten from people and how much it means to people to have a litter box of all things that isn't a nightmare. People are very thankful for it, which is a funny thing for people to be really grateful for. So I also wanted to write about things like that, things that would help people take good care of their pets without costing a ton of money. There's information about any pet food recalls or treat recalls. A few years ago when there was the big uh, pet food recall about the melamine contaminated food, I was really careful to cover that because I realized how many of these recalls were not being caught by people who were feeding their animals this food. A lot of times the companies would do the press release after hours on Friday, which is called a dump, a news dump, so that it didn't get picked up by the weekly news, it got lost on the weekend, and so people would keep feeding their pets this food that was literally killing their pets. So I started covering that and being, becoming much more aware of that. I do product recommendations, and if I do a product recommendation, it really is something that we use. It's not because somebody has asked me to do it. Um, If anybody ever asks me to do one, I would let them know. I've been really hesitant about accepting advertising because I wanna be sure that people understand that I'm impartial about any opinions that I express. So I'm pretty, I try to be really transparent about any connections that I might have with something that I'm talking about. For the most part, I don't have any connection with them other than I use their product. I cover pets in the news, trends. I'm working on a piece about the apparent increase in police shooting of pet dogs that weren't any threat. I do a lot of research about a lot of things. I really like to research stuff and it's really nice to be able to share that with people. So if I find out something interesting about anything, I write about that. I have a background in philosophy, so I'm also really interested in ethics and animal welfare and that sort of thing. On Fridays, I do just a Friday fun um, something. A lot of times it's a video, but I also have done paper craft where you print out something and you build like a little paper cat or a dog or something like that. Just something fun and kind of frivolous to, I don't know, make your Friday a happy day, give you a good start for the weekend. Because with all of the serious stuff about having pets, one of the best things is the humor that they bring. I mean, to me, one of the funniest places on earth is the dog park. There's such characters out there and getting to see them be crazy little dogs. is pretty fun. So I think we should, um, laugh about them too.
0: Next week, Sarah discusses why an adult dog or cat might be a better choice than a puppy or a kitten when you adopt your next pet. If you'd like to learn more about the site, visit us on the web at petprojectblog.com. And to be sure that you get the podcast every Monday, go to iTunes and subscribe. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with another installment of the Pet Project Podcast.